The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. It's time to get fired up. Fired Up is a show that delivers both business impact and social importance. Get ready to explore the connection between communications and human motivation. Our guests will share ideas on how to create higher returns on your communication investments by engaging the people who matter most. Our host, Gordon Rudo, CEO of Bonfire Communications, has bridged the communications gap from startups and nonprofits to the Fortune 500, from political leaders to celebrity CEOs. Get ready to be fired up with your master communicator, Gordon Rudo. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Fired Up. This is Gordon Rudo, your host. And fired Up, for those of you who are new to the show, I'm going to give you a little brief overview of what we're about. For those of you who are familiar, uh, you can just kind of tune into something else for a minute or so. Uh, just a little preview. Again, we are all about giving you the latest knowledge, the, the most critical thought leaders of today around organizational performance, organizational health. How do we keep the places that we work vibrant and alive and connected and meaningful to the employees so that we can meet uh, we can each reach our business goals or personal goals, not just the organization, but the people who work there. And I'll, I'll use that as a segue for Amy because uh, we talked about last week with Norm uh, this notion that people are spending a lot of time at work, more time than they spend typically with their families. And I know uh, Amy Lyman, our guest I'll introduce in a second, is, is very familiar with this challenge. And if people are going to be spending... 8, 10, 12, 15 hours a day in these institutions, uh, the least we can do for those of us who work in the space of, of affecting these places is, is make them healthy, make them places that people can live and reach their potentials or at least feel passionate and uh, in alignment with what the organization cares about and what they're engaged in. Um, so this is going to be uh, the theme for the season, but specifically today with Amy Lyman, who is joining us, who is uh, the founder of the Great Place to Work Institute, and many of us in the organizational world uh, know of her work uh, very closely, may not relate it to her, but she is not only the founder uh, of that um, institution, but also um, right now leading the quantitative side of it. Is that correct? You are our Director of Corporate Research today, Amy? Yes, I am the Director of Corporate Research doing both the, the quantitative, the numbers uh, data, and also the qualitative, looking at the employee comments and the cultural stories that come from the organizations and trying to pull out the themes and really understand the, the whole picture of what makes an organization great and successful. Uh, well, we're grateful to have you today. And as you heard in my little intro... Um, people are spending all their time at work, and, and it's a real challenging place for many of them, especially in today's economy. Um, do you think that this inquiry has, has more relevance today uh, in this particular economy and what organizations are dealing with? That our, that our inquiries in terms of uh, great workplaces has more relevance today? Yeah. How do we keep these places great and connected and, and in alignment with what our employees are, are also caring about? Right, right. I think that it has um, 
continued relevance and that there is a, certainly a different twist on it now given the economy and given people's heightened anxiety about the success of their business and the continuation of their own jobs. I do know that many leaders that I have spent time talking with are uh, more concerned now about both the quality of the organization and its success and uh, how their employees are doing. A lot of leaders and managers are spending more time talking with employees, being present, physically present uh, on the shop floor or in the workspace to just provide some visible confidence to employees, some, some visible recognition, uh, appreciation to help employees have a sense, have a greater sense that um, management is aware of what's going on and really appreciates people's time and contributions. So do you feel like this is a time where people are getting more compassionate with their employees or, or is it really driven from... Um, the burning platform of organizational success? I think that many leaders are uh, doing both, I would say, doing both. Um, definitely I see a tremendous expression of compassion in great workplaces that are struggling to figure out how to keep things going, keep things moving forward when the economy is um, at a standstill for many of them. And so I see expressions of compassion in how leaders are trying to figure things out. So absolutely doing everything possible before there are layoffs, if there are layoffs, offering very strong severance programs. Uh, just one organization just learned uh, at our conference last week, JM Family Enterprises in Florida, uh, the largest car dealers, Toyota car dealership and Lexus car dealership uh, in the southeast and perhaps even in the United States in terms of Toyotas, uh, recently had to let some employees go and had spent a tremendous amount of time doing everything else they could, uh, really creative, uh, trying to reduce costs, trying to restructure hours, all kinds of things, and finally reached the conclusion that they did need to uh, let, some, let some people go, conduct some layoffs, uh, extensive planning, uh, great severance packages for people, and some people who uh, received the severance and were close to retirement actually thanked them for the opportunity that this was going to give them to retire early or change careers and consider something else. Um, and offered people who were in education programs. JM has a very, very extensive uh, education program for their employees. They, have, they support people getting their MBAs, and they have a JM university where they offer people ongoing professional development and training. Um, let people continue their studies and continue their courses at JM University. So... The tremendous compassion there for their employees and what they were going through uh, shared all this information with the employees who were staying as well so that they understood how well their departing colleagues were being taken care of. Um, and then also clearly aware of the burning platform of we need to keep this organization going, uh, we want to keep this organization strong so that as the recovery happens, 
we are that much more prepared to respond and uh, keep moving that much faster. So, so I see both, and I think that that actually is a good indication of what best companies do. They don't take their eye off of the ball on either of those counts uh, because these are companies where leaders truly understand and put into practice that, that saying that gets used too often in some companies, but that people are the most important asset of the organization. In great companies, that really gets put into practice. So we pick out the JM University example, and I just want to tie this together for before our break. We, we're going to take a break <laughs> in a minute or two, but um, you talked about them providing um, ideas about you know what to do and, and provide some practices to help them get through this time, and, and listening to them, giving them compassion, and, and offering solutions. If you were to to take the the tactical examples out and just look at what are the characteristics of leadership and what do we need to do when we are letting go of employees or we're dealing with difficult times, um, you're speaking to some of them. Can you round out that story for us? What what do we want to share with our listeners as some of the practices that consider right now as we're going through these really difficult times with employees? Sure, sure. Um, I think uh, uh, there are a number of things that leaders can do that will help their employees who are leaving to get through this and their employees who are staying. The first is to share information with everyone about what's happening, the details of the program, uh, the, the restructuring or the layoff, why it's being done, what was done prior to the decision to lay people off so that people have an understanding of the, the intelligence and the skill with which leaders approached the decision. Then there is a very important effort needed to explain to people, here's what's happening now, here's how this will uh, be, occur over the next few days or weeks, uh, here are the resources that are being offered to people who are leaving and to people who are staying. Uh, and then there is the whole kind of follow-up to that, uh, out on the floor, talking to people, saying thank you to people, paying attention to the fact that people who are staying are under stress as well as people who are leaving, and people who stay can often get the deer in the headlights and disengaged, um, I don't know, what, uh, stress, I guess, reaction, and slow down in their own work because they are freaked out about what might be coming. Managers need to be out there on the floor or in communication with their employees to help them to keep moving forward with their work to keep the organization going. Uh, And these are all things that JM Family really put into practice uh, in a very significant way, in very positive way with this program that they that they went through, that they put into place. Um, And as far as a layoff situation goes, it was a very successful program, not that that's the kind of thing you want to be good at, but it was done very, very well. So we're going to take some of these practices. We're going to take a short break, and I'm going to ask Amy when she gets back if these are some of the things that we need to do, sharing information, talking about why it's done, um, what's been done prior, you know, sharing the skill and the efforts that have been uh, kind of displayed in going through the decisions uh, with leadership and talking about what's happening now and giving resources. I mean, these are some some great best practices, but there's also organizations uh, and specific leaders that 
um, shy away from doing any communications at these difficult times that pull themselves into their offices and create more of a vacuum of communications. We're going to talk about why organizations do that uh, when we come back from break and also talk about uh, Amy's measurement techniques over at Great Place to Work and, and specific uh, slides that I've been using that I want to uh, talk about more detail. So we'll be right back with Amy Lyman right after these messages. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Here's your bill. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, it's all right. I'll take care of the tab, Jason. Well, thanks, Dave. How are you doing so well these days? It seems everyone's in a pinch for cash. RevenueWire.com, that's how. RevenueWire? Yeah, RevenueWire.com is an all-in-one platform offering affiliates high-demand software from top-notch PC utility merchants. With 75% commissions, twice-monthly payouts, incredibly accurate analytics tools, RevenueWire is making me more money today than I did in the last few years put together. Even in this economy? Especially in this economy. RevenueWire has a ton of great products to meet the demand. I'm telling you, this network is recession-proof. RevenueWire, the recession-proof network platform. For more information, visit RevenueWire.com today. That's RevenueWire.com. Does your website need a bailout? Looking for a conversion rate stimulus package? Do you need a website improvement to-do list? On Target, a subscription service from FutureNow and Brian Eisenberg, monitors your website 24-7, analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it so that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. I'm Brian Eisenberg and I approve this message. Warning! Listening to webmasterradio.fm daily may cause webmaster insomnia and an increase in your company's profits. Webmasterradio.fm Stay up with us all night long. Webmasterradio.fm We're everywhere. You're getting fired up only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. And we're back with Amy Lyman, and we have talked about what to do during difficult times and during layoffs. And as I mentioned before the break, um, although we hear about these best practices, and I think this is a great uh, layout of some of these very easy things to do on one hand. On the other hand, um, leaders are, are locking themselves in their offices and they're not communicating to employees. And I've, I've been through a couple of these recently with our clients, and these are very well-known and well-respected companies, very well-led companies. But there's something that happens during these times of crisis, and I'd love to hear your, your point of view on that. Why is it that companies uh, who know that these are the right things to do are still retreating and creating uh, emptiness in the communication channels? Well, that's a that's a very good question, and it's um, it's really a sad thing when that happens because it's compounding uh, a poor practice on top of a difficult situation and making the situation worse. Uh, when people don't feel comfortable with the information they have to share, 
when they perhaps don't have all the answers that they wish they had, uh, they can sometimes retreat and uh, close the door or hide in their office. Um, there can be a sense of responsibility for the situation that the company is in, and certainly that can be hard at times for some people to take, um, even though what they would ask of their employees is that they take responsibility when they make a mistake or when they have uh, not followed through as well as they would like. Uh, this is a time for leaders to step up, though. Closing your door and hiding in your office does not help at all. It makes the problem worse. It makes the situation worse. Uh, there are no clear, 100% perfect answers for a situation like the one that we are currently in. And it is very important for leaders to be out talking with employees one-on-one in small groups and in large group meetings to let people know what the leaders of the organization are doing to help keep things moving forward. One of the negative consequences of not sharing information with your employees is that employees will make up their own information. They will start to answer their own questions. And unfortunately, like the childhood game of telephone where messages get passed along one to the other to the other to the other and what the person started with is completely different from what the person ends up with, that's what happens in organizations. And it's destructive, it is harmful to teamwork, and it is harmful to the successful continuation of operations for the organization. Uh, and I appreciate you, you calling this out. It really is time for leaders to step up, and, and I wanted our listeners to hear that from you. And I, I think with the audience that we have, which are primarily business leaders and HR leaders and people in the communications world, they can make a real impact during these times, um, one way or another. And, and it's important for them to understand the implications of their behavior right now. And, and I'd like to segue that into kind of your core model when we look at the, the great place to work um, measurement, and we look at the particular instrument and what you measure, you talk about trust, cooperation, and commitment. Uh, and we had Jeff Saltzman here from Conexa a couple weeks ago, and he, a couple weeks ago, and he talked about uh, the notion of confidence. Um, different and, and closely related, but I, I'd like to help our listeners understand uh, the distinction between uh, the confidence index that Conexa is doing or perhaps what uh, Gallup has been doing for many years. Uh, with their engagement survey and their Q12. What, what is it about trust, cooperation, and commitment? How did that instrument evolve? Tell us a, a little backdrop. Sure, sure. We have forever, uh, since the Institute was started, looked at the role of trust in the relationships between employees and management as the significant, unique factor that really helps to create great workplaces. And the way that we came to that was actually by talking directly with hundreds and hundreds of employees. When we first started to do our work to try to find great workplaces and to understand what it was that was happening in these organizations that was different and unique, we looked at everything. We looked at policies and practices. We looked at workplace structure. We looked at the kinds of work that people were doing. We looked at all kinds of things. And... When we tried to pull it all together, what we found that was common across all different workplaces, different sizes, different locations, 
was the quality of the relationships that an employee could have with his or her manager and leaders. And when we asked employees about what was happening for them that got them to be able to say their workplace was great, the stories that came out revolved around trust. I trust my manager. I trust my leader. And so then we would follow that up with, well, tell me a story. Give me an example. And from those stories and examples, we heard employees talking about the importance of management's credibility, the importance of their feeling respected by their managers and leaders, and the importance of the fairness of the work environment and the policies and practices. So our model puts trust between employees and management at the center and says this is really what you are aiming for when you are creating a great workplace. And then we backed out from that and said, okay, from an employee perspective, trust is comprised of the credibility of management, which has to do with effective two-way communication, management's competence, and their integrity. It has to do with the respect with which I feel treated as an employee, and that's shown by the support that's given to me for my professional development and growth, my involvement in decision-making, and the caring that's expressed for me by the workplace and for my life outside of work. And then also trust is experienced through the fairness that I see in the workplace and that I experience in pay and benefits, in how promotions are handled and how work gets done, and also the basic justice that I experience in the workplace. This is what we heard from employees. We were able to take all of those stories, use them to develop our survey, and have used our employee survey tool, the Trust Index, as a measurement guide and an evaluation tool Uh, for years now and have found it to be tremendously effective in helping leaders and managers to understand both what the strengths are that they have in the organization and with their relations, which is very important, and then also those areas where they have opportunities for improvement and have used this model and this approach and understanding to really help leaders improve the quality of their workplace, develop greater trust, and then also see tremendous success in their operations. So when we, when we look at trust at the center and credibility, respect, and fairness, and, and this is uh, at a best practice level, this is world-class, talk to us about what outcomes we expect. So you, you started going here, but if you could kind of flesh out that story, what are you seeing in best practices uh, in terms of real, tangible financial and business outcomes? Well, the best companies outperform the stock market uh, in a number of ways. I mean, a number of indices uh, have shown in our own studies and in studies that have been done by the Russell Investment Group, in a couple of research papers that have been done by external academics, uh, the 100 best companies outperform financially the uh, public companies in the S&P 500, the uh, uh, Dow Jones, and a number of uh, indices, a number of, of markers. And anyone interested can look at information on our website, or there's a paper by Alex Edmonds, who's a professor at the Wharton School, in which he's analyzed the performance of the 100 best companies. So the financial performance evidence is there. 
in my mind, I have to say, at, at this stage of my career and all of the research that I have done, there is no question in my mind that creating a high-trust work environment will lead to greater financial success for the organization. It's not the only thing. Clearly, you need to have an internal strategy and approach to creating your product or service, and you need to have an external market presence that the consumer or the the purchaser will uh, participate in. So clearly those uh, two other key areas of your business need to be uh, strong, and yet your strong trust-based culture will pull all of that together and bring you greater financial success than you can have with a weaker culture. We've done our own studies looking at the good companies that apply to be considered for the list and comparing their financial performance with the great companies that make the list, the best companies outperform the good companies. We looked at voluntary turnover. Among the best companies, voluntary turnover is lower. We've looked at the number of job applicants that a company has to sift through relative to the number of jobs filled. The best companies get more job applicants for jobs jobs filled. Uh, I mean, the, you know, the, the number of markers on which best companies are more positive or more successful is really quite strong. I, I had a feeling that question would fire you up a little bit, <laughs> and that's good, um, because there's a ton of data out there, and I was hoping that you would summarize that in easy terms for our listeners. But we're going to take another short break, and when we come back, I'm going to ask Amy, about uh, the motivation with organizations. Are they just trying to get on the list or are they really doing the work? We're going to come back with Amy and talk about that. Be right back. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. This is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PR Web and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to PRWebOffer.com for 25% off. PR Web, the premier online release news and content distribution service. XYZ Affiliate? If yes, you'll pay me. No if, ands, or maybes. Get paid daily. Make a mad dash. Sign up is a flash. Quickly convert the clicks into cash. Affiliate marketing. 
marketing network is first place. I cut to the chase. It's all performance based. Listen to what I'm telling you, cause this what you better do. Join as a publisher and maximize your revenue. Think we agreed that money is what you need indeed. You can get paid from sales and leads. Not one thing lacking. Don't get it cracking. Even comes with state of the art tracking. Where did it start? You can do it a couple ways. 866 XY7 page. It's toll free. Tell me what you waiting on. So log on to XY7.com. You have arrived at the destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm Because not everyone's last name is Gates. WebmasterRadio.fm We're everywhere. You're getting fired up only on WebmasterRadio.fm Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we're back in the last five minutes with, with Amy Lyman from the Great Place to Work Institute, and I'm having fun here talking about how do we how do we measure this stuff and what really matters. And there's a tremendous amount of material on on why to create a great place to work and how to do that. And uh, go to greatplacetowork.com, and you're going to see a ton of material. And we'll we'll talk more about where to go after this. But I was talking with Amy and and just curious because uh, I, I have many clients that hire us that, that come to our firm and just say, hey, we need to be on the on the great place to work list. Uh, we want to be a best place to work on the fortune list and, and we'll do whatever it takes to do that. Um, but I'm curious when I hear that as often as I do, what their real motivation is. This is an attraction play for them that they just need to get on the list or they're some board member got got an itch that this needs to happen, or are they really trying to create a, a trust-filled environment to create a better place for their employees? Well, what have you found to be some of the motivations, and does that really matter? Um, what's your What's your point of view on this? Um, I think motivation does matter because what best companies are creating is long-term sustained success, and if you are motivated for the one shot, we want the star, we want to get on the list, it's counter, in, it's counter to the notion of creating long-term sustained success. So there are some companies that I do believe uh, where their leadership hasn't completely understood what this is all about, being a great place to work, and they may approach it as um, something that they think they can, I don't know, whitewash or dress up for and be successful at. Uh, yet the the list selection process does a pretty good job, I think, of screening that out because really it's the employee voice that we listen to. Two-thirds of the score for any company that makes it onto the list comes from the employee survey, from the voice of employees in the organization. So you can't dress up the outside of the organization if the inside of the organization doesn't match. And I have to say that the leaders that I meet from the best companies, and we just had our conference last week in Miami, and so I'm, this is all really fresh in my mind. The stories that we heard from the CEOs of some of the best companies, Shared Technologies, Umqua Bank, NetApp, Bing & McCutcheon, they do this because they understand that it is both the right thing to do in terms of human beings and human behavior and our, you know, kind of realizing our, our greatest um, potential as human beings, and also it is a fundamentally very, very smart business strategy. And there, there's not a one among these CEOs and leaders in great workplaces that I meet that doesn't get that connection and what is 
unique, um, refreshing perhaps, and really deeply gratifying is seeing how clearly they're able to marry these um, kind of parts that other people have separated. And so for them, creating a great place to work is a fundamental part of their business strategy. It's how you treat people. It's possible and a good thing to do. And so they choose to do it. Great. And when we talk about uh, a leadership worldview and how important employees are in that picture, you do have a slide, and I wanted to speak to this um, before we close, because I thought this was really provocative, and I, I used this in a presentation myself last week, that uh, the slide that you have in your success factors research that talks about what actually is pivotal, pivotal excuse me, to financial performance. You look at growth, profit, and shareholder return, and you say, you know, the company strategy and the market position explains about 15% of that, but 85% is really explained through motivation, talent and competencies, and organizational ability. So really looking at the human side versus the strategy and what makes a difference to financial performance, and it's just weighted so heavily to uh, the human beings in the organization. To talk about why this is important and, and how we need to think about uh, what comes off the slide. Well... I think that the the human factor, I mean, it, it is tremendous. It it simply makes sense when you think about the volume of effort and brain power and uh, contribution that comes from human beings, whether it is in providing the service, whether it is in, um, you know, in a healthcare setting taking care of the patient, doing the operation in a manufacturing setting, um, you know, producing the product. It, it, the human factor is in all of the elements of what we do and what gets provided out to a customer, client, uh, patient, uh, you know, the, the receiver of the service or product. So it, it simply makes sense. And what is perhaps... Um, I guess a, a better question for people to ponder is what happened that got us away from understanding that it's the human factor that makes a difference. That's this the thing that I puzzle over. Yeah, this is my real question. I mean, we follow uh, a McKinsey or a Bain that just you know got several seven-figure kind of contracts on dividing up you know work in the research, the analysis, and in developing the strategy, and when it comes to the change management and the communications, uh, you know, 5, 10, maybe 15% of that budget is put towards the rollout, engagement, the motivation, uh, and the capability building. Um, so uh, I see this. It, it's intuitive. It makes perfect sense. Yet this is not how many companies are investing their dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right, and it's, and it, it's frustrating um, it is counterintuitive. Um, it is, um, you know, I think it, it is a reflection in some ways of what's been taught in management schools that the things that you can control are the things that you should um, pay attention to. And while human beings can be influenced, uh, they are less likely to be able to be controlled in a positive way. And so perhaps that is a piece of it that we are now hopefully moving further, faster to a better understanding of how to create that strong, positive culture in which employees choose to be engaged. And yet, 
many of the management practices that are still being taught and presented uh, haven't caught up to that yet. There is, I will say, a stronger, deeper, broader movement than there ever has been to help change the way that managers and leaders behave and seek to motivate employees. And yet, uh, as you are affirming, uh, there still is a lot of what I would call um, quickly becoming old school practices uh, that are out there and still being presented. I think that anyone that is interested in looking out 10 years and wanting to see their organization have grown and be more successful than it is now uh, should start investing more in the qualitative side of management development, leadership practice, engaging employees, having conversations, uh, really looking at how employees are going to be motivated to work harder and more successfully and contribute more and share more. Uh, and it's a, different, it's a different leadership model than many leaders have been raised to think is the right way to do things. But there are, are enough examples among the best companies that there's really no excuse not to do it. it the, the evidence is there. It's been there for a while, and uh, people just really need to start paying more attention to it. Well, I usually close, Amy, with asking for some couple things that we can do to make a difference, but you just went through a phenomenal <laughs> list of, of things that we need to, to do and think about differently. So um, if you were listening and not taking notes, I, I urge you, if you're downloading, to, to rewind for the last 30 seconds. I think that there's some great practices uh, to keep in mind. So I, I want to thank you. We're out of time, Amy, for your time this morning. Uh, I think the work that you guys are doing is instrumental in shifting how we're thinking about organizational health and vitality uh, and trust uh, globally. So I, I, we applaud you for the difference that you're making and the organizations that are investing, and they are. There's more investing in this work than ever, and I think getting on that list has been a big deal for a lot of companies, and whatever it takes for them to do the work, um, there's more organizations doing the work, so thank you. Good. You're welcome very much. Thanks very much, too. Any closing thoughts for our listeners? Uh, just um, keep at it. I just would say keep at it. There is absolutely tremendous evidence that this works. It's possible. It's not, as we you know, say sometimes, it's not rocket science. It's not uh, special surgery. It's not climbing the highest peak. It is possible, doable, start today, uh, say thank you to an employee and see what response you get. Just start with some short steps and uh, it makes a huge difference. Uh, you know, the saying thank you piece is, I think, incredibly relevant. As I was listening to your opening, um, it really seemed like appreciating employees right now is, is so incredibly important. Um, we're talking, we're talking, but are we listening and are we appreciating what they're mm -hmm. doing and what they're doing for us? Um, so thank you again, Amy. I want to thank Webmaster Radio. I want to urge our listeners to, again, uh, go to greatplacetowork.com. Is that the best place to find you and the work that you're doing? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and always connect with us on twitter.com forward slash firedupradio. We want to hear from you and hear what we're doing well, what you want to hear from more. I think our next guest is going to be David Allen from Getting Things Done. Uh, huge following of David Allen. Uh, so if you are... 
engaged in productivity or want to learn more about how to be more productive, you want to listen to that show. So we'll catch you soon on Fired Up Radio. Thanks a lot. And thanks again, Amy and Webmaster Radio. We'll talk to you all soon. Take care.